us now turn to the Word of God for our worship, for our praise, for our instruction in righteousness. We turn to the prophecy of Isaiah in the 30th chapter. The prophecy of Isaiah and the 30th chapter. And we read the verses 1 through to the verse 21. This is the Word of God. Come, let us hear the word of Almighty God. The Lord give us ears to hear and hearts to receive his precious word this day. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them nor be in help, nor profit, but a shame, and also a reproach, the burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper and the fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Go now, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise his word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore... This iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall. Those breaking cometh suddenly at an instant, and he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a shard to take fire from the hearth, or to take water withal out of the pit. For thus saith the Lord, God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest ye shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. But ye said, No, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, and at the rebuke of five shall ye flee, till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and as an ensign 
on an hill. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord God is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Amen. We now turn to the book of Joshua and the chapter 1. And uh, reading the first nine verses there. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to the public reading of his precious and holy word, all for his name's sake. Well, dear friends, I ask you to please turn your prayerful attention to those words that I read to you there in the prophecy of Isaiah and the 30th chapter. The prophecy of Isaiah and the 30th chapter 
and taking for my text the latter part of verse 21. But uh, let me read from verse 20 of Isaiah 30. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. And these words, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. The Lord helping me. When God first made man, did he not make him with many tremendous faculties? When he formed dear Adam, he gave him a heart, he gave him a mind, he gave him ears to hear, eyes to see. He gave him also spiritual faculties, didn't he? But we know what happened. Adam was made to have fellowship with God. But that day that he sinned, that fellowship was broken and he began to die. He lived a long while after the fall, didn't he? But he began to experience death, but also a spiritual death because sin entered in. Satan in the garden tempted Eve and Adam sinned as well. He did that which God forbade him to do. Pride was behind so much of that sin. Adam was instructed by God not to take of it. For Adam, the day that thou takest, thou shalt surely die. Adam was made perfectly. He was made in righteousness and true holiness. But that day that he sinned, my dear friends, he began to die. Spiritually and physically. He lost the fellowship that he once had. The Lord sought him, though, in the garden, didn't he? And the Lord found him. There he was, making his excuses, covering himself with figs. They were ashamed, they were naked, but God provided for them. And God, indeed, we believe, in Genesis, showed him the way that sacrifice had to be made. We read of Cain and Abel, how they were to worship God. And God had provided a covering for Adam's shame. It's a picture too, isn't it, of our sin. There was no death until that time. God slew the animal and made a covering indeed for Adam and for Eve. But things were not how they once were. And so it is too for us. And, and it was God, was it not, that came and sought Adam and it is God, if, if we're ever saved, God comes and seeks us. Adam was not looking for God. Adam was running away from God. And that's true for every one of us when we come into this world. We come into this world, as it were, with our backs against God. And the natural man receiveth not the things of God. The carnal mind is enmity with God, isn't it? Until God does an insuperable work. Until God comes and he quickens our spirit. And makes us alive spiritually. By nature we are dead in trespasses and sins. A man who is dead cannot feel the cold. 
He cannot feel the heat. He cannot see. He cannot hear. And so it is with those who are dead in trespasses and sins. The things of God mean nothing to them. The things of eternity have no bearing upon their hearts until we are made a new creature. No attempt of man, could we say, can change a man, really, before God. His spirit or his heart is dead to the things of God, isn't it? Dead in trespasses and sins. And uh, God doesn't adapt us to bring us into union. He makes us a new creature, doesn't he? There's no adaptation. Whoever in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. And as it were, the faculties begin to understand and receive God's word. And we have a text before us here this morning. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. So many in Judah at this time were walking by sight and not by faith. And of course, not everybody in Judah was saved. Many were lost. But even those who ought to have been walking spiritually, well, they were running to Egypt for strength, for help, because the Assyrians were coming against them. But let me say this, you know, we can even be born again. And because of the inward corruptions that are in our hearts, we can resort to the old way of life, can't we? We can walk by sight and not by faith. And we will not hear the word of God, as it were, speaking to us, speaking to our souls. God says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. I read also from Joshua chapter 1. If you turn back there, you'll notice how the Lord said that he would be with Joshua as they go into the promised land. What a a daunting work Joshua would have to face all these Canaanites. But the Lord, what does he say in verse 5? There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. And here we have the words, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The Lord would speak to Joshua. And Joshua was not to turn to the left or to the right. Go straight ahead. Thine eyelids shall be open before thee. Go ahead. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And Joshua knew, did he not, the power and the presence of God. And so it is. We come even to this chapter here in Isaiah 30. Now, the context is, little Judah were facing the Assyrians, the great Assyrian army, Sennacherib and his army. What are they to do? Well, they see the great enemy coming up before them. And they start looking around and they find a strong one. They find Egypt and they say, well, there is help. 
Egypt will help. And somebody might say, well, that's a good choice. If there's a strong help from Egypt, maybe they can help us. Yes, but they will help with a small s, won't they? Look higher than Egypt. Look further than Egypt. Look to God who brought the people into the land. Through generations, God was always faithful, wasn't he, to his people. And you see, this is what has happened. They're in this fix now because they've taken their eyes off God a long while now. And they've looked even to idols, so many of the people in the land. And they've forsaken the Lord their God. Now again, as I say, many in Judah would have been saved. But it's true that even sometimes the saved take their eyes, don't they, off the Lord. Just like David at times. David had his falls. And when we are renewed or when God makes us anew, what does he do? Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.23, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye may put on the new man, which is after God, created in righteousness and true holiness. In what way was Adam made in the likeness of God? In righteousness and true holiness. Some people think, get the idea that we are made like God in this way, that somehow we're a trinity. Well, we're not a trinity. We're body and soul. We are bipartite, aren't we? And in this way, we are made like God, made in his image, in righteousness and holiness. But when we are born again, Paul says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. So as we go on in sanctification, and as we are changed in our person, we go on in righteousness and true holiness. And that is to follow our God and the ways of our God and to walk in holiness and righteousness. But time and time again, because of remaining sin and inward corruptions, we can sadly allow sin to have power in our lives. But sin, says Paul, shall not have dominion over you. If we're a new creature, we will be renewed. And the Lord is very gracious, in, even in this passage. He will allow his people to go on in a way. The Lord is a God of judgment, as we read in this passage. A God of judgment, a God of deliverance. We have the book of Judges. And that word judgment can mean deliverance. God is a, knows how to, live, to deliver his people. Did he not know how to deliver righteous Lot, we're told, who vexed his soul every day as he lived in those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the Lord is a God of judgment. The book of Judges, every time the people sinned, what did God do? He raised up a deliverer. And that deliverer, indeed, who the Lord sent, brought in judgment or deliverance for the people. Well, the people here, what is the time? The time is a bleak time. Here, Isaiah's ministry extended across the reigns of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Isaiah ministered for around about 55 years, from 739 BC to 685 BC. And uh, this is a bleak time. And the Lord is warning the people that they must look to him for safety. Now, just before King Hezekiah, there was a wicked king, King Ahaz. And we know what King Ahaz did. He reigned for 16 years. And, uh, well, we're told he was an evil king. 
And uh, he brought the nation under subjugation to the Assyrians. In 2 Kings 17, we're told, in the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hoshea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmanzir, king of Assyria, and Hosea, that's the last king of Israel, became his servant and gave him presents. And so the kings, for a little while, uh, were under subjugation. This went on year after year, under subjugation. That is, they paid protection money to the Assyrians. And then if you notice in 2 Kings 18, verse 7, under King Hezekiah, king of Judah in the south, He's now succeeded his father, King Ahaz, and what he wants to do is he wants to throw off the yoke of paying tribute or subjugation money to Assyria. 2 Kings 18, 7, And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. That is, he was no longer paying him any more protection. And so what happened was Sennacherib, king of Assyria, started to invade Judah from the north. Now they're threatening to completely overthrow them. And uh, it's a terrible thing. And as I said, uh, Judah now looks to help to the Egyptians for strength. But notice in the verse 7 of Isaiah 30, there, our chapter that we're looking at, for the Egyptians shall help in vain, and no purpose, says the Lord. Well, that was the case. They, they couldn't help. Their strength, notice verse 7b, I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still, that is to wait on God, to trust in the living God, to pray. To sit still is to wait on the Lord, stand and see the salvation of God. That's what they were to do. They were to pray, they were to confess their sin and ask that God would come in for them. And so you notice, come down to the verse 18. And as you come to verse 18, there was a condition that God was going to lead and guide these people. And what is the condition? Verse 18, these people will not hear. They don't want to listen. They cried no. But God has to bring them to a place, doesn't he, of submission. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be Exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment or a God of deliverance. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Now notice. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. And he will be very gracious unto thee. At the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it. He will answer thee. But the Lord has to wait for these people. To come as it were to an end of themselves. To cease from man, to stop trusting in their own wisdom, and to humbly commit themselves to God. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 22 says, Cease from man, whose breath is in his nostrils, wherein he is to be accounted of. And this is the question today, are we trusting? We may be going through many difficulties and battles, but is the Lord speaking to us? Well, the Lord will not speak if we are looking to man, if we're looking to our own strength. They were looking for a confederacy with Egypt. But the Lord has to bring them 
and has to wait that he may be gracious. It's like this. Uh, one of the first books I ever read was by Douglas Macmillan. Maybe you've read the book, The Lord is My Shepherd. And one of the lessons he teaches is that a good shepherd, if he sees a sheep down in great trouble on the edge of a cliff, what is he going to do? If he runs down to get the sheep, the sheep's going to run and fall to its death, won't it? He has to wait till that sheep is tired itself out, that he can go down and pick it up. And that's the sense, isn't it? Sometimes we're all full of our own wisdom, aren't we? And uh, I, I preach this to my own soul here this morning. I confess to this. We, we can be so uh, filled. We, we say, this is the way, and uh, this is what we must do. We can become very pragmatic. But the Lord says, no. He will wait that he may be gracious unto us. He has to bring us to that place, doesn't he, of submission. Therefore, notice verse 18, will he be exalted? You see, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord loves it when uh, we depend upon him. He, he proves to be always very faithful, doesn't he? Uh, we know what eventually happens if you just turn to Isaiah 36 and uh, remember how the Assyrians come up against the people they eventually did and they get right to the gates of Jerusalem and uh, it seems that there is no hope now. And it came to pass, verse 1, Isaiah 36, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defeated cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto king Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. Now, what hope is there, it seems? Here it's, it's uh, the last hour. And all the forces of the enemy come up. And what is Hezekiah going to do? Well, you come down to Isaiah 37 verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred and four score and five thousand. When they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. You see, this is what the Lord can do. The Lord overturns, doesn't he? The Lord, he overthrows. The angel of the Lord went forth, smote in the camp of the Assyrians. 185,000 were slain. Well, that's what the Lord can do. And uh, the Lord had to bring the people to the end. We read in the word of God, at evening time it shall be light. Just at the last hour it seems, even though they had done this terrible thing, well, the Lord, we read here, gives the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. And maybe it's like this in our lives. And uh, what are we doing? We have sorrows. We have difficulties. Well, we must remember that the Lord sits over the waters, doesn't he? The Lord sitteth upon the floods, we're told. And even when the enemy comes in like a flood, what happens even at that time? The Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. Just when we think there is no hope, maybe in your life you're experiencing some great difficulty and it seems to be ongoing. The Lord is working something, friends. God is always at work. Even though He even gives the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, when troubled times come, 
We must thank God, as James says, when ye face diverse trials and temptations, because we know the Lord is at work. But are we hearing him? That's the question. And I want to look at this verse here this morning, at the verse 21. And uh, really the prelude to it is, Although the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed. This is a gracious thing. Who are the teachers? Those who would instruct in Judah. The Lord wouldn't remove those who would preach the word. They wouldn't be in a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and here thine eyes shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Now, just a few points this morning. Firstly, are your eyes and your ears open to the word of God? It's a question, isn't it? Who speaks here? And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. And we have to be very careful, don't we, that we are hearing the word of God. There are always two classes of people, I suppose, teachers would say that there are. There are those that don't want to learn. And then there are those who think they know it all. We're all in the school of grace, aren't we? We have so many lessons to learn. Well, friends, we have so much to learn, even through the trials of our own life. And what God is teaching us is how foolish we are and how wise he is, how good he is, how much he loves his church. And he's teaching you this even in the trials of your life and my life. God is good and that he will not forsake his people. Through all of this, God is showing, is he not, to Judah and Israel how faithful he is, that he is a covenant-keeping God. You know, when God saves us, we're never on our own again, are we? It's amazing, Adam, when when he sinned, it was God that came looking for him. And if we are saved, God sought us. It says there in Isaiah, I was found of them that sought me not. Trace back God's mercy to you, friends, when he saved you. How was it that you, you, you came to hear the word of God? Well, you, maybe you sat under ministry for a long time. But then all of a sudden, it came to you, didn't it? Or who, who taught you the word? The spirit of God quickened your soul and brought you to a knowledge of Christ. How is it to think of the, the plethora of people out there that will never hear the word of God? My friends, most people pass through this world and will never hear the gospel. But he has his sheep. Christ has his sheep and they will all come to hear the word. And they're all taught of God. You can discern between a true teacher of God's word, I trust, and somebody that is not. How? John says, because you have an unction. The Holy Spirit within you. We have a resident teacher, don't we, in our hearts. God's Spirit who leads us in the truth. And the thing is, if we are His, we are open to His Word, aren't we? That we can become close to it. But the Lord will be gracious. He will allow some sinners, we know, even His sheep, to go on in their way till they come to an end of themselves and they realize 
I mean, we're all prodigals in one sense, aren't we? He allows the sheep to wander, but then he brings the sheep back. The word will say this way, walk ye in it. Will the word of God not say that in our lives? Although he give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, he will not leave you without teachers. He will not leave you without his word. The Lord is at work. He's at work in our lives. Our times, says the psalmist, are in his hands. He knows the way that we take. Was he not teaching even Job through all the trials of his life? Did not Job have much bread of adversity? Job knew many trials and Job even resisted at times. And then the Lord finally sends in Elihu, doesn't he? And Elihu tells us days should speak and a multitude of years should teach us wisdom. And God is speaking in providence, isn't he? Days should speak and a multitude of years should teach us wisdom. God speaks not only by his word, but in providence. This is the way we learn and walk therein. And uh, going back there to Joshua, how the Lord said, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. And we have the same here. The sense is not that the person goes to the left and the Lord says, this is the way. That's not the sense of the verse. But straight ahead. What are they to do in this situation? The context here is they are to sit still. Stay where God has brought you now. The enemy is coming, but stand still and wait on the Lord. The Lord will bring it to pass. So often when we are faced with conflict and difficulty, we think we've got to, we've got to change everything. That's the church today. So much of it, is it not? Young people, they think, well, we're not getting many here uh, or brought to Christ. We're not seeing. Well, we keep preaching the word, don't we? Preach the word in season and out of season. And we don't judge the church by its size, do we? Never. Heaven forbid. Has the Lord ever said the church is going to be large? Has the Lord ever said that he will judge our success by the amount of people that we have? No. We are simply told in the word of God just to preach his word. We're called to be faithful friends, aren't we? This is the way. Walk ye in it. Be faithful. The Lord has not promised us vast crowds. It'd be wonderful if the Lord did fill the church. We long for that. But we don't curtail the means, don't we? And we don't uh, do away with the biblical method to preach the word and to exhort and to teach. We don't bring in gimmicks. How do we know whether this is the way? Well, is it the way of the word? Does it accord with the word? Secondly, the word will say, this is the way. Walk ye in. What has God said here? Sit still. Pray. Look at the early church in Acts chapter 2. What are they doing? The Lord said to them, he will come at a certain time. Day of Pentecost. What did they do? They waited and they prayed. And the Lord came, didn't he, with a mighty power. And the Spirit of God gave Peter the words to preach that day. What else? How do else do we know if this is the way? Does the way we are walking in, does it unite with the spirit of holiness? Heard of an old story once of a, some centuries back of an old lady and she had a, 
a son and he always wanted to go to the theatre. And she kept saying to him, no, no, shouldn't go there, not as a Christian. He was a professing Christian. But he, he kept going on and on and on. Mother, we've got to go. So she thought in her heart, okay, maybe there's a lesson here I can teach him. So she eventually went with him to the theatre. And they get there and she begins to pray. And he says to her, Mother, you can't do that here. You can't do that here. It's not the place for it. She said, well, I'm going then. If I can't pray and if I can't speak with my God here and if I can't do what I know what is right. And off she went and she taught him a lesson. And you see, the lesson is this. If you can't ask for God's blessing in what you're doing, it's not the way, is it? If you can't ask for God's presence, it's not the way. Maybe, I don't know, in your personal life, maybe the things that are going on in your life that you're doing, or I don't know, the Lord has laid this message upon my heart over these last few weeks that I've been preparing to come. What should I speak? And the Lord knows us individually. But if there are things that we're doing that we can't ask for God's presence and blessing, we shouldn't be doing those things, should we? We've got to be walking in obedience to him. And another thing, thirdly, is the way, a way that will redound to God's glory. And fourthly, we could say, is that way a way that will lead on to my ongoing sanctification? Because if it's not, it's certainly not the way, is it? It's not the Lord's way. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. Now, of course, this is not audible. God, we won't hear him speaking audibly. But he will, by his spirit, speak to our hearts, will he not? What does Paul say? In Romans eight fourteen? he says, For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the sons of God will know the Spirit's leading in their lives. They will know the Spirit's direction. And often... God's word will come in a confirming way to our souls, will it not? And, uh, you know, sometimes to be doing what the Lord wants us to be doing is it's not always the easiest way. Sometimes that'll be the hardest way, won't it? But it's a blessed way, let me say. God's way, and another thing, will be a lonely way. But we're never alone, friends. Sometimes we like to get ahead of ourselves like... Elijah, remember when he is running away from Jezebel in, into the wilderness and he's fearing her. What does the Lord say? He stops and he says, Elijah, what doest thou here? And the Lord sends him back. It seems into the very fire, back to the cross. But that, my friends, is the place of God's blessing. The Lord says, prove me now. Now, friends, God loves to be Proven to be the God who is faithful. Job said in Job 34 verse 29, When he giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? Job knew quietness, didn't he? He knew a settled heart in the midst of his trouble. The psalmist tells us, Psalm 48 verse 14, For our God is God forever and ever, and he will guide us even unto death. My friends, if we wait on the Lord, that's the key to all of this, isn't it? Waiting on the Lord. And here's the thing. If we have been quickened by the Lord, his spirit is within us and we will walk by faith 
You know, being a Christian is not doing things simply out of habit, but doing things out of conviction. And because we love God when we pray. Oh, it's good to have habits in prayer. It's good to have a time for prayer. But prayer, is it not worship? Is prayer not an act of devotion to God and and an expression of your trust in Him? It is, isn't it? And so we should pray at all times, says Paul. Not just at certain times of the day, but when when we're faced with a difficulty here and there, what do we do? Is it our natural instinct to pray? It ought to be, Lord, help me. And we will hear, as it were, that still, small voice of his spirit speaking to our souls. This is the way. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But this is the way. Walk in it. It's not an easy way. But friends, there's no other way. Is there? But God's way. There's a word in Jeremiah 6.16. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. And that's, you know, very often a Christian, if he is walking in the right way, he can do that. It's as if we're, of course, we are in the wilderness of this world. And if we're walking in God's ways, we can see that other ways that many might seem to be good ways are wrong ways. The Spirit of God confirms us, doesn't he? This is the way. And sometimes, you know, we may not be able to explain it to other people, but we know that God's judgments, that God's deliverances are right. In all of our lives, we know that the troubles that come in our lives, Peter, does he not say, think it not a strange thing of this fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Child of God, your trials, God has ordained them. I can't go through the trials you go through because God has specifically ordained those for you and for your good. And Peter says, rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. We will be able to say the Lord was with me. We're not all the same, and we're not all called to the same difficulties, trials. But the Lord is faithful, who will not forsake the work of his hands, will he? What shall ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? But friends, we can grieve the Spirit, can't we? We're told that, and we at times may not hear God. And that's because... Either we've grieved him or we've ignored him and we've forsaken his word. And that is a sad time, isn't it? When we don't know the presence of the Lord and we fail to do what we know he's been telling us to do. We can grieve God. Our strength is to sit still and that doesn't mean do nothing, but it means to wait on the Lord And to see his salvation. What does he call us to do? To be faithful. I mean salvation from beginning to end is. It's all of God isn't it? Who called you? Who called Adam? Adam where art thou? And he came to us personally didn't he? We were lost in the wilderness of this world. And he came and he drew us to himself. And he he sent his son to die for us. Even before we were born. 
Think of it. Peter says that the sins of the elect were born in Christ's body. He said, who in his own self-safe body died for our sins. Isaiah says, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. There upon the cross, Christ was suffering for his elect. And do you think that he will relinquish any one of his sheep in their trial, let alone at the end of life? My friends, we read at evening time, just even when it seems to be dark, it shall be light, God says. At evening time, it shall be light. And maybe the Lord has brought us to that 11th hour, the 59th minute of that 11th hour. But I say, friend, wait on the Lord. He will never disappoint, will he? He will never forsake. Look what he did to the Assyrians. 185,000 destroyed. Hezekiah didn't need to do anything. But God overruled. And it's the same. The Lord, he says, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And the same God says, Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. God continues to speak by his word, doesn't he? And by his spirit. How do we know his spirit is speaking to us? Does it comport with the word? The spirit of God does not jettison the word. That word is confirmed to our own hearts. Let us not grieve the Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed to the day of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you are walking faithfully. I've not come to bring a word of correction or rebuke, but maybe it's a word of encouragement to you. This is the way. It's a hard way, but carry on. Walk in it. And you soon shall see the Lord. Well, we pass through this world very quickly, don't we? But we're not on our own, are we? See the beloved in this book, on the Song of Solomon, leaning upon her beloved. Can we not lean upon our beloved Lord Jesus Christ? Was he not with the people as he took them through the Red Sea? When Moses said, stand and see the salvation of God, they saw it. And on the other side, they sang the Song of Moses. We are also told in the book of the Revelation that we too one day will sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Thank God Jesus Christ gave his life as a ransom for us and he will soon take us to glory. Paul said that by much tribulation shall we enter into the kingdom of heaven. We will, but we shall do because of Jesus Christ. He will not fail. My friends, he, the Lord Jesus, if he took our sin, he will soon take us to glory. May God be glorified in our lives and may we know his spirit, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, when ye turn to the left, he will tell us, no, my way. My way is always the best way, isn't it? Let us walk his way. May we know his strength. Amen.